I'm Matt Jolly, and this is History Worth Saving. Coming to you from the Red Barn at Fairchance Farm in Georgia, where great American stories grow strong. Welcome to the third season. Please, if you would, sign up for the newsletter at historyworthsaving.com. I'd love to stay in touch. And remember, if you like the show, tell your friends. If you don't, well, bless your heart. Thanks for listening. Now, here's the show. On this episode of the History Worth Saving podcast, we're talking to musician and friend Clayton Korn. He's made a living playing for some of the best and brightest out of Nashville, but he found his true musical calling back home in Texas, where he played with truly some of the brightest stars in the Lone Star State. Willie Nelson, ZZ Top, Pat Green, just to name a few. He's a piano player, keyboardist, and an all-around great guy, and he's joining us here to talk about how he reinvented himself. Because when COVID hit, everyone who was in the live events business, as he was, he also had an events production company, that all changed. Everything literally shut down overnight. So how do you go from playing the big stage, managing and producing major events to being out of work where literally your industry is closed down to paying the bills again. That's the subject of this episode of History Worth Saving. So I want to start at the beginning where we always start in any great story, and that is how you got into the music business. Clay, thanks for being here. How did this all get started? I fell into it backwards, uh, meaning that I didn't, I didn't have, uh, my parents weren't music. I didn't come from a musical family. Uh, but I realized pretty early on, uh, let me back up. I, my grandmother <laughs> realized pretty early on that I might have a talent because I could sit down at a piano and pick out a, uh, a melody that I might have heard when I was three or four years old. Nothing complicated, but... Uh, she encouraged my mom to buy a, a, a piano for the house, and I went on to annoy everyone for the next 40 <laughs> years. Just, now, hang on a minute, because my parents rented a piano. That's how, <laughs> that's how tepid, you know, they yeah, were. It was right. like, hang on a minute, let's just see. So you <laughs> sat down, and what was, what was the first tune that you picked out? Do you remember what it was? Yeah. Uh, it was the theme to Star Wars. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of ties it. I'm sure that ties all of this together, but yeah. I, and so I do you find and, that playing by ear is still your favorite or do you, it, I, I mean. It, well, it's my only, to be honest with you. I, uh, I, I can read enough music to get myself in trouble. And that was certainly a, 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 a uh, what's the word, an annoyance, I suppose, to my uh, instructors in college and whatnot that I just never, but I never had very good hand-eye coordination, never was very good at video games or anything. I just, uh, but I could hear. And I hear, I'm told I hear kind of uniquely, I kind of hear in in colors and and whatnot, and I can take that and translate that into notes on a keyboard and have always been able to do that, um, you know, with, with uh, with speed, I suppose, and some efficiency, and and that is be- became my career for the the better part of my adult life. And for so. people that that live out of the state of Texas, I don't think they understand or really appreciate 
what Texas has, when people say it's Texas music, it's Texas country music, they'd look at you and like, well, what does that mean? And, you know, you, I mean, it all started years and years ago with the likes of Gary P. Nunn and these guys who, who made it into what it is today. But, but you've made a career out of playing a lot. You've, I know you played a lot in Nashville early on, but I mean, you've really made a career out of playing around in Texas. Sure. So Texas has its own ecosystem when it comes to our country music. Some call it red dirt, which I think just by the nature of the word uh, encompasses Oklahoma as well. But uh, we, we, we just have this, this sort of brand of, of music down here that, I mean, everything, everywhere's got kind of their own regional colloquial thing. But Texas has its own ecosystem when it comes to country music. And someone like a Pat Green or a Corey Morrow or any number of people, a guy named Stoney LaRue, may have, you know, never been heard of outside of Texas. Now, Pat made a big run at it early, uh, you know, in the early 2000s with Nashville and whatnot. But, um, you know, we, we just we have a way of supporting our own down here and you can literally go, well, at one point you could go gold <laughs> before everybody stopped buying records, but you could, uh, you could make a hell of a career out of just going from dance hall to dance hall in Texas. And, uh, and, and you're, these guys are drawing 2,500, 5,000 people sometimes to their shows, maybe even more. And again, may not have ever heard of them in, you know, Virginia, but right. out here, they're making a they're making a, a splash, and and so I uh, went to Nashville for several years and enjoyed some success there. You know, it's all as a side man. You know, it's it never I never had the the uh, desire to be the guy. I always thought that there was too much pressure being the front man. But you know, uh, I I was a pretty good piano player, and I could sit down and play with the best of them. At the, you know, sometime, and um, and so I moved to Nashville. But then I saw what was going home going on at home. And uh, decided to uh, uproot from Nashville, come back to Austin, and that's where I've been for the last you know, 17 or 18 years. All right, I'm going to get you to brag a little bit. Tell us who you've played for, because a lot of folks listening to this for the first time, they've never heard of Clayton Corn. Well, and nor so, should they have. Well, let's, <laughs> let's hear it. Give, give, us the, give, give the rundown to the folks at home. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know who all of you they would have heard of that I played with, but when I moved to Nashville, I uh, immediately got on an airplane and flew over to Switzerland and played uh, a little European tour with a guy named Brady Seals. Uh, I, uh, the biggest chunk of my Nashville time was spent playing for a gentleman named Phil Vassar. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, who's a piano know. man himself. I mean, he's a piano. Yeah. And that was wonderful. kind of the neat thing. You know, I kind of got to be the piano man's piano man for a while. And, and, uh, so like just another that, day in paradise, a big Phil Vassar just, song. I mean, exactly. Great. Just another day in paradise. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So he uh, he was he and, and became one of my very good friends. Uh, but you know, just decided to that that, that and through that, I played I, you know one offs here and there with several different people. I've performed with Willie Nelson. I even got to play with ZZ Top one time. I've played with uh, I don't know, several several different folks. But uh, I moved back to Austin and there for a couple of years. Sort of lived and died by Southwest Airlines getting back to catch the tour bus in Nashville. And then Pat Green gave me a call and I, uh, I, I, I answered it. And for <laughs> now, were you, so, were you back? Were you in, in Texas days with Pat Green or you, were you in, I'm making a run at Nashville days with Pat Green. Uh, it was, I, I joined Pat's band right after the crest of wave on wave, which was by far yeah. his biggest, his sure. biggest hit Grammy nominated. So I came on probably uh, just a few months after that, the keyboard player who 
was on that, uh, fell and broke his shoulder. He was a bit older than uh, the rest of the band at the time, and, I, and he decided that he needed to step aside, and so they, they asked me to join, and that was kind of the, the uh, impetus behind that. I've been friends with Pat in their, in their organization for years and years prior, but uh, when he called, I, I did that, and I, I, played for, I played in Pat's band for probably eight to ten years. Uh, and then uh, my home life started to blossom a bit, and I wanted to spend more time with my kids and my wife, and and so I uh, I I kind of bowed out of doing that, but then continued to record a lot of music. I played on several records and spent a lot of time producing and 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 being a keyboard player in the studio. And so that is kind of my music career in a nutshell. And you know, studio work is the tough work. I mean, that's the I mean, you got to get it right. You know, when you play on the road, you can hide a lot of sins, so to speak. Uh, it, it, it both have their have their uh, have their quirks. You know, the thing about it, the studio thing, though, is that you you can always go back and redo it. Right. Now, if you go back, if you have to go back and redo it too many times, they stop calling. That's right. But <laughs> <laughs> we're paying this guy but, by the hour. You know, <laughs> right. That's right, right. But uh, it's that that by far, in a way, is 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 my love. Uh, you know, I, I honestly at this point don't care if I ever set foot on another stage, uh, and and it's just because I've been there and done that. But every time I go into the studio, for some reason, it's something new, it's something fun, and I really really enjoy uh, going and recording, and and that's something I I hope that I get to continue to do wherever my other career paths take me. You know, I loved my, my first job, I, one of my first jobs in radio, I, I got to introduce the bands uh, that would come in and play at the local honky-tonk there where I went to school there. Oh, yeah. And, you know, outside of Houston, up there in Huntsville, and uh, <laughs> wound up working at that place, uh, playing music, which was, which was just a ton of fun. And, and watching you guys come in and, and, and live that life, was was always impressive but you know you you we would get them coming and going right i mean on their way up and oh. on their way down and, <laughs> oh, and, yeah. but everybody everybody who came into that place truly still had a love for it I, I remember one day we were getting ready we had a we had a guy coming in to play i don't know if i should say his name or not because it, but anyway he's not listening but so johnny lee remember johnny lee <laughs> oh yeah i know so johnny yeah, I know so johnny shows up right in in this old u-haul truck that he had painted and I, I didn't, you know, I, I knew him, and I, I got there for sound check, and we're waiting on the band to show up, and, and here comes this U-Haul truck, and out steps Johnny Lee. And he's got this old pair of blue jeans on, you know, and this, this ratty shirt, and he's like, sorry, we're running late. And he's out there loading <laughs> stuff in with the guys. Oh, yeah. You know, and they set up and played. That, later that night, of course, this big white limousine shows up. And who do you think gets out of it? Johnny Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Got to keep up the appearances. <laughs> Got to keep up the appearances. It was great, but he had a love for this that you just, you know, you, you only see that with guys that truly love what they do. And I think that that, I think that just is, it, it doesn't matter if you're laying tile or if you're a craftsman or if you're, you know, or if you're a, a star of the stage in music. I mean, if you have a, a passion for what you do, what do they say? You never work a day in your life. But I mean, these That's guys right. and gals, they just, they just loved it. You were telling they, yeah. me you went to school with Natalie Maines. You went to college. I out did. There, out I went West to college. Texas. Yeah, we went. Uh, I, it was either one year or two years, but we we uh, we were good friends for a, a time. I haven't I haven't spoken to her in a long time, but uh, yeah, she uh, we we uh, 
Yeah, Natalie and, and several different people uh, went through my little school. Heath Wright, a little band called Ricochet. I think you might have heard of him, but oh, yeah. it was it was uh, it was a it, South Plains College in Level Land, and and um, they're uh, west of Lubbock, and where there's honestly, not a whole lot except like the Four there, Sixes Ranch, and well, I guess you know now that, it's going to be the epicenter for who knows what going on out there. But uh, I know it's crazy. But I, yeah. I went out there and, and it was, it's a really, really neat program. Uh, if you know, and I have to give them a little bit of a plug because again, I would have never done anything that I, that I got to do in my music career if I hadn't just stumbled there and into that college. I, uh, you know, looked at other bigger colleges, wanted to stick around a little closer to home and the program that these guys have is great. It's a commercial music program and, uh, and they've got, just some of the best teachers and best equipment you can find. So if, uh, if anybody happens to be listening to this, that is one to look into. If you're, if you or your kid are looking, you know what at, I, looking for music programs, I can just, I'm just, I'm just thinking to myself, you know, it, you're selling this idea to your dad, right? Like, you know, he knows you're pretty good on the piano. And then you're like, dad, look, I want to go to college to be a musician. Uh-huh. Musician, dad. I want to be, but but it's it's in West Texas, dad. So it's a commercial musicians program, commercial music program, right? It's the business end of music. It's it's a good idea. It's a good well, idea. Seriously, dad. You know, I'm not going to be a waiter. I tell you what. I I tell you what. I I always I, I, my joke now is that me becoming a professional piano player was payback for all of those Wednesday afternoons that mom made me go sit in Miss Tankersley's uh, piano lessons over in Clovis, New Mexico. But it, 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 I don't think they intended it to take and it did. And, and, and look at, look at us now. Right. Look at you now. Yeah. I, my dad was a fishing guide, right? He retired as a worked for the phone company, had a fishing guide business. So he, we're sitting across the table from, from Dr. Miller from Sam Houston state university, senior year in high school, Portland, Texas, South Texas, small town, you know. And Dr. Miller says, well, we'd like to offer Matt a scholarship. And that's the only word I think my dad heard because the (laughs) follow-on to that was in the theater program. So, you know, my dad's like, Matt's going to be a theater major the freshman year. And so I did, by God. I was a, you know, wonderful time up there, but eventually got over into the the broadcast side of things, into radio and television, found my home. But, you know, it, it... that's the wonderful part, and I, I'm going to brag on, on my home state. That's the wonderful part about Texas, is if you want to pursue the arts, sure, you can go to Austin, and you can, you can really pursue the arts, but if you want to do it practically, there's all of these wonderful schools out there that have great programs, uh, just like what you're talking about at South Plains there. I mean, great programs yeah. where, where true professionals can go, and I think everybody has that story about their school and who went there. It just it's, yeah. it's it seems to be so unique in in that uh, in those programs down there. Well, that's great. Now, how yeah. has this changed? Because COVID came in and everything that you and I both love shut down from air shows to music to I mean, just everything evaporated for like 18 months. So now you're that's just right. sitting at home. That's right. That's exactly right. Just sitting at home trying to figure out what's next. What, what, what you know, how am I going to feed the family? Um it did, and and I think that the entertainment industry, the events industry of all industries, took it uh, the hardest. And uh, you know, you have I, I I don't know exactly how to how to phrase it where it makes sense, but there's a whole sector of society, especially in and around Austin or any of these arts based cities, 
uh, or, or cities that have these vibrant music scenes that just had an, an entire swath of their uh, citizenry just completely put out of work. Now, I'm not saying that it's, it, I'm not saying that there weren't other industries that were hit hard, but there was literally nowhere for us to turn. And by, you know, by and large, um, the, you know, the, the, the musicians make very little money. It's, it's, it, you know, $200. And, and I, I've been very fortunate. I, I, I want to kind of say that, it, you know, it, I was fortunate that I had other opportunities, but there were so many, so many out there who didn't have any other opportunities. And these are people where that $200 gig on Saturday night might feed them for their week. And yeah, that's a lot of ramen so, noodle when you're a musician. <laughs> you know? And, you know, like I said, I mean, I, I, it's, it was it, less for me personally, but more for, for my, for my industry, just watching that happen uh, as an outsider, almost when it when it did, but it was like and as it, it was happened, just so painful to watch. As that happened, you could collectively all across America, but especially around Austin, you could hear everybody sitting there at home going, "Well, maybe they should have gotten a real job." Yeah. <laughs> no, and that's exactly You're right. But it's just collectively across the board. And, and that's the and, sympathy, right? That's the level of sympathy for losing your livelihood. That's right. And, and you know, and I'm glad that you said it like that because it, it's, I don't think that there is a lot of sympathy in, in, uh, in society for those who, who participate and practice the arts. And it is such a craft and such a skill. And I am not taking away from anything else. It was funny because one of my, one of my favorite professors, um, he, he quoted me, honestly, in, one of the, in a book that he wrote, because I came with the notion when I was a kid that, you know, several people would say, go find, find something to fall back on. If this doesn't work out for you, find something to fall back on. You should finish your college degree in something. Besides, you know, just do something else. Uh, and and my, my mindset has always been if I gave myself something to fall back on, I would. Mm. And that's not what I wanted for my life, at least not early on. And I wouldn't trade a moment, not a single moment of anything that I did with music. Um, you know, are there things in hindsight that I would have done differently or things that I could have planned for differently? Sure. But who doesn't have those? My point is that you know, as, as a kid, I think everyone should be afforded the opportunity to go do something great and something that is, is their dream. And so I, I chased it and I did it, you know, and, and yeah, nobody's ever heard of me. That's fine. My point is I got to do with my life exactly what I wanted to do with it up until, you know, circumstances made it where, <laughs> you know, we all needed to go to something different. Well, and I wanted and, to bring uh, this up because I think it's such a great story. And, you know, you here you are sitting around the house playing your piano or whatever you're doing, playing with the kids and your wife, and then all of a sudden you say, you know, I got to do something, right? This is going to take a while. It's going to be a lot longer than what we thought. And you decided to pursue something else that you're passionate about, which is aviation. And I don't know how you did it this quickly, uh, because it's expensive to fly to begin with, but just to throw <laughs> caution to the wind, you you went out and and you you got all of your ratings enough to become an airline pilot. Well, not an airline pilot. I'm I'm a, I'm a commercial pilot. I, I still have some hours to put in the books. To, well, okay, let's to get say to that, a, a commercial a pilot. But yeah, a commercial pilot. Yeah. So 
just a real brief, uh, let, let me back up and correct one thing for the record. I wasn't a, I wasn't a professional touring musician up until, right up until COVID. What I did, I, I got off of the road and I started a, a, an events business. I started an events business. We do, we, you know, we, we do fundraisers. We do, uh, we produce large concerts and such. And that business is really what got shut down by COVID because we had to park it just like everybody else. So I wasn't, I wasn't uh, figuring out where I was going to get my next ramen noodles from. I had a whole, I had partners in my business that we had to take care of. We have employees and things. So it became a, a, a thing where it was just uh, I, an entire swath was, was, was shut down. And I looked at that going, this is just too fragile. You know, uh, it, it's just too fragile of a business for me to stake my future in. And so, and, and I understand that the aviation industry um, really got hit hard as well, and I'm not taking that away from it. But really, the events industry, when when people cannot gather anymore, people were trying to turn, and 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 we saw this with ICAST and things like that. But they were trying to turn to uh, all of the you know uh, online concerts, online stuff. Well, you know that just doesn't. It's not the same. It's not the same as being in the same room, sharing ideas with people, and sharing passions with people. That has to happen face to face. It's a fragile business when you take that ability away. Yeah, there are certainly tools that we have at our disposal with the internet, but that wasn't why I was doing what I was doing. And so I realized right then that, uh, you know, as this thing began to, uh, and, and there was no real light at the end of the tunnel, I realized I want to do something different. And if I'm going to have, if I'm going to do it, now is the time to do it. If I wait until this thing passes and we try to revive the, the uh, events business, like, you know, we, 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 had planned to and want to, then we're, I'm never going to have another opportunity to chase this. And so, you know, I just kind of put pencil to paper, sat down with my wife and, and said, this is something that I want to chase. This is something I, I, I got my, my love for aviation started when I was a kid. I lived in the shadow of Cannon Air Force Base over in Clovis, uh, New Mexico. I was on the Texas state line. I want to clarify I lived in Texas, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, but you better you better get that in there, Clay. Yeah, but I grew up listening to the F one elevens roar out of Cannon Air Force Base and sure. watching them fly overhead and, and watch the F sixteens whatever. It was just I always there was just almost every day there was some sort of air show going on overhead because all these cool uh, you know airplanes were coming in, and so I, I and then and then I they they had their annual. Um, they had their annual uh, air show, uh, their community appreciation is what they called it. And, and the, I got my first taste of the Thunderbirds and what a real air show was and everything. That's what sparked my love for aviation. My next door neighbor growing up had a, uh, had a Cessna 210. And I'm assuming I was probably seven or eight years old when he invited me and dad to go for a flight. And I will never in my life forget sitting in the, in the right seat next to Jerry and the sun was just raising, just, it was just rising up over the horizon. So there was just a little bit of a, uh, they were casting long shadows and I was looking out my right hand window and I saw the wheel of the airplane as it lifted up off the ground and I saw the sun come in, but you know, and, uh, and watching that, uh, the shadow of our airplane just get further and further away as we took off. And I was forever hooked. That was what, that was just the, the neatest point in my life. And yeah, I went and I did music. I did music because it was something I was naturally good at. And I didn't really have the, you know, um, 
I guess my parents didn't really have the, the financials for me to chase the aviation thing. Knowing what I know now, we could have figured it out and whatnot. But the point is, I chased I chased a passion, but I've always had a a, a you know this this sort of lingering secondary passion for aviation. And so, in and when I was living in Nashville, it was actually shortly after the the uh, September 11th happened. I realized, well, they may raise the 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 barrier of entry to becoming a pilot. If, you know, what I'm hearing, uh, you know, is, it might, might come true. So I decided in early 2002 that I was going to go do that. And so I went and got my pilot's license in 2002, but it's always just been a card in my pocket. I flew occasionally over several years, you know, put a few hundred hours in the logbook. But this, you know, over the last year, I finally said, you know what, this is what I really want to do. So, so through all of this, I had some really great friends here at Apex Flight Solutions. They're... Uh, you know, my, my peers around my age, and they, I'll, I'll say that the majority of friendships that I have garnered have been because I play music, because that's just the way things are. And, uh, you know, so they have been sort of not necessarily fans of mine, but fans of people that I played with and we got to be buddies. And I hit them up early on and said, you know, this might be something I want to do. Should I do it? And these guys uh, were champions for, for me to go, uh, you know, get the license, get, get that thing, knowing that the, you know, when the industry bounces back, that there's going to be a big demand for that. But what we discovered uh, is that we are living right now in one of the hottest private aviation markets that ever lived. And I, I mean, that, that we've, that, that's ever, that's ever been. And so I just kind of approached Ross uh, Nairi, just who's the president of the company, and I said, "Hey, what do you think about starting a sales and acquisitions branch of your company?" You know, I I know enough about airplanes. I've been an, an airplane nerd for for long enough that I, you know, I could probably get in some trouble. And I'm a people guy. You know, I could probably talk to some folks and just see. And he said, "You know what? That sounds like a great idea." And what we've discovered is that Apex manages several airplanes and. A lot of his clientele are looking to move up into their next airplane, move out of their citation into a Falcon or whatever. And so it was just a, a really neat and natural progression. And I've found that I am actually fairly good at it. And <laughs> and I and I've right. just enjoyed the heck out of it, you know. Well that's I'm, great. I'm, and you're not recording this interview at a at a recording studio, you're recording it at the airport. So that that's ought to tell exactly folks right. something, you know, right there. <laughs> I'm in my office at the airport. <laughs> I think it's great. You your events company is still on track. Uh, to to produce Corey Morrow's Go Wheels Up, which is an air show out there, just outside of uh, Austin, up there near San Marcos, and a great great event and a music festival, which is uh, which is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, and it but it, it still ties in not only Corey's love for for automobiles and your passion for aviation, but it also brings together uh, music. It, it's it's really just a a great weekend for you, I would have to imagine. It's the best. I, I think if, if any, you know, I, if you've known me long enough, you realize that there's not, a, not many things that I do that I don't enjoy doing. You know, I, I just love, I love life and I, and I, and I love what I've, you know, kind of what I've been able to craft out of mine. But I've, the, the idea of the air show that this, this go wheels up came, you know, several years ago, we, 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 uh, Corey and I got together, great friends for a long time. We got together and decided we, he asked me to do a, a car show. I said, well, I want to do an air show. I said, well, let's do them together. And that blossomed into what has become this little project of ours. And we're in our third year. And this last year, we 
blew out our expectation. I said this last year, this year, it was actually in the dip in COVID. Uh, so we, we thought it was behind us. We had the event and, um, but, uh, uh, and, and people came out in droves and I was just, as, I was floored. I was floored. People you are just dying had, to get out. You know, I think you literally could have had anybody up there on the stage playing and people would have come out because everybody yes. was just, you know, <laughs> beyond ready to get out of the house. And you, you guys just killed it from what I'm told. We, I mean, we did. We, we absolutely did. It blew everybody's expectations out of the water. It's a fantastic event. We had the F-16 Viper demo team come out and, and fly for us along with uh, a lot of our great friends in the air show industry. And, and it's just one of the, it's, it's, it's now, you know, I, I, now I've kind of whittled my life down to two things and that's, uh, you know, flying airplanes or, and or selling airplanes, I should say. And, uh, and doing this this event, and and I absolutely love it. All right, so if you need an airplane or if you need a good time uh, at an event, <laughs> call Clayton Corn. He's your guy. How, how can folks follow along and, and get in touch with you? Well, uh, let's see here. I'm at, uh, we, you can find uh, my company, Apex Avia, or Apex Flight Solutions at Apex. I can't talk. ApexFlightSolutions.com. As far as the air show goes, it's uh, GoWheelsUp.Live. And uh, we're on Memorial Day. Uh, I think we've settled in that we're going to be on Memorial Day every year uh, moving forward. And uh, as far as I know, San Marcos is going to stay the venue for the foreseeable future. And uh, we're, yeah, that's, uh, that's that. As far as the music stuff is concerned, you can find me on Facebook and you can find me on Instagram, occasionally on Twitter. But uh, I'll post a video every now and then or a picture of me doing something fun. So You know, I don't know why I'm thinking about this, but it's like I'm ready. I think I'm almost ready again for another hot, miserable night at Green Hall. <laughs> I was just there. <laughs> this is still, they've never air-conditioned this place, and it's the most miserable experience that, that you'll love the rest of your life you, you could that, ever have. That's exactly right. Uh, I played there the other day with a gentleman named Radney Foster. If you've never heard of Radney Foster, I would. Uh, I wouldn't. I, would I wouldn't have you as a friend. I can tell you that. You know. <laughs> That's, yeah. Oh. Well, yeah, he, what a great look him great up. Guy. He is the he's the poet laureate of of Texas. I'm, I'm I mean it. And he uh, he's a great guy and a great friend now. And I, I I of he's about the only guy that I still go out and tour with occasionally. We'll we'll go knock out eight or ten shows a year. But uh, and you're not on a bus. Of, I I would imagine. <laughs> I'm way too old to be riding around in a van, but we do that. And it's, uh, <laughs> and it's and, great and fun, it's, huh? <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, I wouldn't call it great fun, but it's fun. It's fun. Clayton Corn with Apex Flight Solutions and Corey Moore's Go Wheels Up. Thanks for coming on. Listen, it, stories like this are the best, I think, Clay, and I, and I mean it. So if you hear of something, uh, would you recommend it? And if, if you would be so kind as to recommend maybe a friend of yours, I'd love to have him on as well. I mean, it, that's, that's what's so great about this stuff is, uh, is hearing these great American stories. Clayton Corn, everybody. Thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me. All right, that is another episode of History Worth Saving. If you're enjoying it, follow along on our website at historyworthsaving.com. You can sign up for the newsletter and we'll put quick links to Apex Flight Solutions and Corey Morris Go Wheels Up as well in this show story. Clayton Corn, everyone. And that's history worth saving.